welcome once again to Rover Talk. Dan, how are you? I'm good. A little cold, a little snowy, but good. Damn weather in Chicago. Anyway, Dan Wagon Boy TD on uh, Instagram and, and, and other uh, platforms. This is Yvonne on SRI2405 on Instagram where you can look me up. Remember, our email is rovertalk55 at gmail.com. And if even if we don't answer, we do read you. And we appreciate comments, criticism, and everything else. And as promised in a previous episode, we will have some time at the end of this episode to get to some of our uh, emails of our um, listeners. Thank you to all of you. And yes, we do like the criticism, and there's somebody that's criticized us a lot. In a good way. In a good way. Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, One of the main things that we're going to talk about is the Dakar Rally, which is uh, one of my personal favorites. Uh, maybe not so well known in the U.S., but we're going to get to that. Um, but first of all, Dan, what's been going on in the market this week? Well, oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, There's something okay. I have to say. Yeah, go ahead. Last week, for those of you who listened to the previous episode, which would be episode nine, right? Of eight. season two. Eight. Sorry. Yeah. Eight. I told the story about my trip through South Africa and Mozambique, and I was referring to the car constantly as an LR3. And no, Dan pointed out, correctly to me later on he's like are you sure that wasn't an lr2 yes he was right once again i have trouble sometimes with the namings of cars because i learned them by the name freelander so for me it was a freelander and then of course i get to the u.s and it's got a different name anyhow please disregard everything that i said it was not an lr3 it was an lr2 a freelander i just wanted to make that clear it's kind of like you know those of us that have worked in the editorial realm there's a, a a a figure when you basically when you fuck up and the following month in a in a written for a press you have to put a little note in stating your mistake. Yeah, retraction. Uh, yeah, you call that well we I called it in Spanish call it Federatas. Anyway, there's my retraction. Okay. Anyway, sorry about that, Dan. Go for it. That's all right. Um market is uh still pretty pretty strong. You know, we just came out of uh a long week at Barrett Jackson and there was, you know, a handful of Land Rovers. They're not really known, you know, obviously for a lot of kind of mid-range uh, luxury cars. But they surprisingly did have a um, a Sport, a 320, early on in the in the week that did okay. I would say, like overall, like the results weren't like super fantastic with. Uh, Land Rovers, it was pretty much what you would, you know, expect. A little overpayment on Defenders, and, um, you know, there was a pretty good series truck, but, you know, true to form, you don't, can't really see, you know, as much as you'd like to. So the results there were, were pretty varied. Obviously, Barrett had probably, I would say, their best uh, auction ever because we're in the still insanity market. Um, Plus, it was it wasn't it their fiftieth anniversary? Fiftieth anniversary, you know, it was uh, on their home field. It was obviously at their at their complex in Arizona. Um, it was a huge deal, so you know they did incredibly well. Um, and then this week, we've had uh, actually the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of L three T twos come through. Uh, bring a trailer specifically, a couple on cars and bids. 
again, you know, people around the world are looking at these results because I post them on my Instagram and are basically, you know, saying, WTF, what is going on over there with uh, your L3T2 market? Uh, because we are seeing some incredible uh, results um, uh, as far as that go. Like today, we just saw 2007 on cars and bids that uh, hammered at 30K and had 115,000 miles. Um, so we're still seeing some great, uh, some great action as far as uh, the all the rovers that are in the aux and and into the into that second half. Um, I don't know if you've seen this one, but there's this crazy 110 that's up on. We we were talking about this uh, right before we started recording, so we decided to have this conversation. Here, I'm actually going to pull it up while you're talking. About yeah, it. so pull it up. So it's really weird. Like you, it's an 83, 110, uh, which is a one year only. It's a Euro spec. So basically, what the spec is, it has the soul of a series, meaning it has a two and a quarter engine. Um, as we know, that's also the time frame where stage ones were. Uh, coming out, which normally would have had a, a V8. And then what this one has done is someone, of course, has taken it, made the exterior look as much as a 90s uh, Defender as they possibly could. Um, so we were just saying, I mean, I, I, it's basically a sleeper in reverse. Normally, <laughs> you, normally you wouldn't have you know, so much done to the outside. It looks great. I mean, it's typical, like, build. It's not like a, you know, not bolt restoration or anything. It's just a paint job. And this is, this, this is kind of like when, um, you know, when, when you get to the age of, like, uh, um, I'd say about 50, 55, and you see some men that uh, all of a sudden start dressing really young and get, like, super haircuts and yeah. a little bit of plastic surgery. Yeah. Um, that's what I would call this one. Yeah, Does that have a term? Is it aside from like midlife crisis, or is that? Yeah, I mean it's midlife crisis. <laughs> but this, but this particular one is just um, you. You just a you just never see these specs still with uh, that series engine in it because obviously, you know, it takes you thirty seconds to get to sixty, and then you're whining at sixty. So. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that how that one plays out yeah. at, in the end. It w uh, oh, I think I know. I think I know who. I think I know who. Well, anyway, this would be. I you know we don't we don't like I like Dana and I never like to crap on people or people's cars or stuff like that. This is a great candidate for you to buy it because it's probably going to go pretty cheap. Well, that's right? just it. Like that's why my comment was like. Uh, and pick it, your poison to put into it. Well, it was like it, it's a pretty cool spec because. Here you have something that, like, uh, you you have some, you know, potential, some possibility, and, you you know, you could do something with it. You could easily do something with that engine that's in there. Like, you know, a series guy would take it, and you can just kind of take it to, uh, you know, the, the next level. It already has a five-speed transmission in it, so... Even if you just wanted to grab a 200, pop it in there, call it a day, you know, you'll be good to go. Like, there's 
there's so much potential. Hell, if you wanted to do it on a cheap, you could buy some type of cheap crate V8 from GM or Ford and stick it in there. Oh, 100%. It, so there, there is some potential there. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see just how it, how it plays out in the end. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's an interesting find. And there is, uh, I and I sent you this this morning, uh, an L322 popped up with only twenty six thousand miles. I'll say the 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 message Dan sent me said, "Holy Grail," and then the link because <laughs> it's the two thousand seven non supercharged, just regular full HSD, uh, low miles. Of course, it's white, so I love it. Oh, boy. Um. You know, and then the the current owners, you know, tried to kind of zhuzh it up by throwing on a supercharger grill and, and fins, which is fine. I mean, you know, the the original uh, grills, as some of you know, is kind of a shitty grill. It fades. If you get cooling on it, it marks. Like, it has, uh, you know, potential to, to have issues. And, yeah, the supercharged grill is, you know, kind of racy and whatever. But... I think if someone is looking to get into the market of the Mark IIs, this one I think is really just going to uh, skyrocket. It looks really great. I'm looking at the pictures, and this car underneath is Underneath spotless. is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's a great – and the, the color combo is, oh, yeah. is, is really good. It's navy uh, with cream piping. Like, it, it is a really good – contrast to uh the white so i hope it does well it deserves it um you know i know it doesn't have like the off the gate like a 5.0 but you know in reality if you're just looking to get into the market and you're not super wealthy you love the look of uh this generation this is your safest bet like it's you're not gonna break your wallet there'll be a couple things down the road but Overall, it's an easy car to maintain yourself, and it's not it's not gonna, you know, break you. No, for sure. The other car that I wanted to talk about is there's a '77 Range Rover Classic with a five speed, oh, the red four, four speed, the, the red, red one. Yeah, the red one. And it's a suffix D actually. Suffix D. Yes, correct. Now, that car is I'm in, I'm interested to see where the market is for an early Range Rover that is. 3.5 car rated four speed versus a post, let's call it 85, 86 will be the cutoff year. Yeah. I'm wondering where, where, the, where the market appreciates that because I haven't seen a lot of them come up. They aren't very common at all. No, we just had one last last week, which was an 80. Um, and But it, it had been tweaked a little bit, and it went unsold. Um you know the the two door market is is it's really strange because you would think like two door the rarity like is awesome, but kind of what I'm what I'm seeing and what I'm learning is that people uh, like myself, you know, I have a two door, mm -hmm. so is is the buyer of this early suffix D is it a first time buyer uh, and they're just getting into it and they like it because it's two-door where for me who has a two-door if i'm getting a suffix i'm getting one of the three trifecta and i think for the most people who have a lot of uh rovers like myself and a lot of others 
who have different iterations of the classic. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna shell out money, it, it's gonna be one of the three colors. Like for me, a suffix has to be a Lincoln, has to be a Bahama, or it has to be a Tuscan. And I think people that are gonna spend the money are thinking that same way, and are gonna wait and find uh, you know one of those three colors. I could be wrong, but I'm just for me that's that's what. I would do, you know. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think I think you're spot on with that. It's it's just a, it's just a very cool cool car in my eyes. Well, this I suffix is awesome because it has the it has the four prong door handles, which is such an amazing invention. I don't know why they didn't. I keep know, and they look so cool. They're so cool. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't keep them through the whole run because it's still a two door. You still have to get out. Um, and then the dash is so iconic, like that early suffix dash is y just the best. Yeah, it, for sure. And and of course the the early bumpers. The other thing too that I'm I'm this this listing has a excuse my French shit ton of pictures, like 400 pictures, and I think that's fantastic. But I get the feeling that they didn't they didn't hire a photographer for this one, and I think this one could have benefited from that because I think it's probably one of those ones that when you see it in person, you're like. Oh shit! This looks good. Yeah. Because believe it or not, I had one of these purchased. It was an eighty-one model year, so it wasn't it wasn't a suffix anymore, but almost identically the same. It's full restoration, and it didn't go through because it didn't have they really didn't have any paperwork. <laughs> but I had to go back. Well, they had to go back on the deal. Anyway, the red, this color of red, Messiah, right? Yeah looks outstanding in person and then i go back to it and i look at the crappy pictures i took on my phone when i was looking at it in the yeah. south of spain and you're like this is not my favorite but then you see it in person and just the contrast for example like some of these pictures are taken without sunlight and and i i understand that but there's a difference between like early morning sunlight or late afternoon sunlight and cloudy and cloudy it just takes away because the contrast between the color of the interior and the uh, that ba that beige interior that's kind of the muted beige and the red is just outstanding. Yeah. But that's just my two cents on yeah. the color. So I hope it does well. I think it's still pretty low. I think it's maybe at 15K. 15, yeah. Um, Currently with 21 hours left. So it ends tomorrow. Yeah. So at 15K, I mean, we he might break 30, but I, I doubt it. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be. There's a couple of concerns on that that were brought up this week. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. I hope yeah. it does well. Anyway, Dan, I know your projects are kind of on standby, right? Yeah, I don't really have um, anything going on. I will give a quick tip. Uh, get, your, get your notebooks out. No, just a, just a quick tip. So uh, one of my uh, L322s was a little rumbly in the tumbly, and which basically means it felt like it was running a little rough um and all it was so if you're if if you've done like if you do all your oil changes like myself and uh you just did like an oil change not that long ago and you notice that your car is a little rumbly um check the seals on the oil cap and see if they need to be uh, replaced. Oh, okay. That, so, that's a good one. So a couple dollars. 
seals that all crap right back up and problem problem solved problem I, solved I so is that something that people like automatically like uh would think of i didn't think of it um but through the process of like elimination i was like holy jesus all right well yeah keep that in mind well i went to finally my 1988 vogue um german euro spec 88 3.5 four-door automatic transmission in what color? In what's the name of it? The uh, Caspian. Caspian. The Caspian. Dan refers to it as the Caspian. He just calls it as the Caspian writer. Anyway, it's finally going to go up for sale. Um, we had some um, problems there with the speedo cable, which needed to be solved by a professional, and we needed to get the lighting right because it does have the four four headlight grill, which looks great. You'll see. It on, take a look on Dan's Instagram. Yeah, my on my reel. Uh, which is actually my most viewed reel, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> I think because I put it to Scorpion inside it. That must be it. No, yeah. There's a thing about the song. No, there is. Is if you if you pick you know the right song, like you get like a million more views. But e that one got like a either that or if you put a hot girl's butt, that yeah. always springs in you know some views. Anyway, so that that one's finally gonna go up probably hopefully this hopefully this week. I've got a few little details that I need to uh, buckle down. Um, because a lot of work was done to that car, so I just need to kind of like make sure all the nuts and bolts are in the right place and everything like that. But I drove it today uh, from Barrington to Chicago, which is well, like thirty miles. Uh, yeah, thirty least. miles. Yeah, at least. And um, oh, you know, aside from being a three point five V eight, which is not my engine preference of choice, you know that we're kind of the diesel people here. But anyway, we love the gas too. Um, it drove really well. It was. It's just a. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that when when you have to fix something on a classic. I hate them, and then when they drive, I'm like, oh, I love this car. I, I don't want to sell it. I want to keep it, and I want to keep all of them, and I want to buy every single one that I can but find you anywhere. you can't do that. I know I can't, especially on this one. This one's this one has a lot of work in it. It's got a full, like, repaint. Um, it's got a full glass-out repaint. It's uh, all the floors were repaired. Um, fenders were taken off for the repaint. I mean, it's got a ton of work um, into it, and... So hopefully it'll do well on bring a trailer and it'll find a new loving home. And then of course I don't I haven't used it a lot, um, because obviously it's snowing and everywhere and I don't want to yeah. get anything on it. So I chose the right day because today it's actually kind of dry. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's good today was like your last good day to bring it back. Yeah, I, I had to do it today, and I was like, I don't want to go out all the way to Barrington. I was like, no, I got to do it today. It's going to snow. Anyway, so that's about it. Now in an upcoming episode. Uh, sometime in the next month or so, uh, I have planned a trip around Lake Michigan, all on back roads, and the car of choice is a Corlin Red Discovery, two-door Discovery, 200 TDI, five-speed manual, uh, basically the same spec as Dan's, which is the best spec you can get, which is 200 TDI, air conditioning, roll, uh, manual windows, um, no sunroofs, and uh, the only thing that's missing is the uh, is the the, s the rear seats. But you can always add those on later on. We have uh, to find we have to find some for you. Let me try to find some. For I you. don't want. I don't. You I don't want them. No, I haul s stuff in mine. But yeah. they don't take up space. They're just cool to have. They fold into this. The space that you have on them is. No, I know they fold into those cubbies that like 
they are on the side. We're gonna. Well, I don't. I don't have a disco right now that has the no. the rear seat. Well, anyway, to do the comparison. But anyway, so um, this trip has a two very very special people that are coming with me. One of them is my mother, and the other one is my uncle, my mother's brother. Now, they are both over 70 years old, and they have been more than happy to sign up to go around in the middle of the winter Lake Michigan. And I'll tell you, I gave them the task of finding some things that they wanted to do along the way or see, and guess what they chose? They want to learn, they want to try luge. Oh my god, that would be so <laughs> awesome. I am dead serious. So where is and where, I where is a luge? Somewhere in Michigan. I can't I don't remember where, but I saw I, I went through the list that they sent me and I'm like uh, taking learning how to luge and I, and I call I called my mom immediately. I was like, is this is this are you playing a joke on me? So you know like, no 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 you know luge you is the single person one. Yes, yes, yes. So you're gonna shove your mother down a lose track. Here's the thing. You got to understand that. Well, th- I was having this conversation today with with somebody else. Okay, so my 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 uncle and my mother are from Southern Arizona. Uh, well, my uncle was born in Colorado because that's where m- that's where the family's from, but they moved to Southern Arizona in the late forties, right? Okay. Uh, my mother was already born in Tucson, Arizona. My grandfather was very much. He was a doctor, but he was very much an outdoors guy. So he loved his he loved his Alfa Romeos. But he also loved going into the desert and the mountains with with four by fours. He just loved that. In fact, he was the one that set up the first rescue station for hikers or mountaineers that had gone missing in the desert or in the mountains in southern Arizona. Oh, okay. He had a whole set of radios, antennas, and stuff that he had put. Of my my grandmother must have not have been happy with that at all. But anyway, and so my mom and my uncle actually grew up very much in this adventurous lifestyle, and then they've traveled a lot, both of them. So they've been fortunate. They've been all over the world. And my uncle used to go, um, in his youth, he used to go climb the Swiss Alps all the time. He took a year off between high school and college and went to Switzerland and just to climb mountains. So they're, they're very much of the adventure spirit. And they both learned how to drive in a manual scout, an no, international sh- scout, which must have been, uh, judging by my mom's age, it, it like the very newest it could be must have been like a 65, right? Oh, God. And, and my grandfather my my dear granddaddy bill insisted that everybody learn how to drive a manual so they that's what they that's what they learned to drive on and they didn't learn on roads they learned going up the mountain because of course they taught them how to how to drive before they were 16 they're like 15 all right you're gonna learn how to drive let's go up the mountain with the with the car so uh so they're they're both very very much for the adventure and so dan and i i was Doing a parts order just in case stuff goes wrong. So I obviously I'm texting Dan last night. So what do you think we need? So we came up with a list of all belts, um, radiator hoses, upper and lower, set of glow plugs. Although I'll I gl- I'll give you a little quick tip about glow glow plugs in a second. Um, water pump, thermostat, and then all filters and basically a bunch of duct tape and sealant and JB Weld. And a hose kit? Did you say hose kit? Yeah, hose, yeah. all hoses, yeah. Yep. So that's kind of what we came up with is our little roadside emergency. So we're, g- we're not going to do this. We're not going to go up the mountain. We're going to take back roads and maybe a track or two that we can find along the way on the whole trip. And we're not going to do it in a very fast. So I think it's total like 
700 or 800 miles, I think, we're or maybe a little bit more. So are you... We're going north, so we're heading up clockwise. So we're heading up towards Milwaukee and then going around and coming back to Michigan, Indiana, and back to Chicago. Oh, okay. And then where, like, how I've never driven it, so how far up do you go through Wisconsin to get a crossover? Well, here, here, here's, you want to know the best part about this trip? I'm like, Mom, should we, you know, make some stopping points, like, make some reservations and know where we're going to go? She's like, no, no, let's do adventure. So... We've got, like, spots that we know we want to do activities, but we don't have a single hotel reservation. We don't have a specific route along the way. We're just going to go with it. Just do it, yeah. So so we came up with that as our – if you have any more suggestions about stuff that we should take with us, I mean, aside from, like, tools and stuff like that, which obviously we will, um, but anything else that can go wrong with it. We thought basically any roadside thing would probably have to do with either the cooling system or one of the belts snapping because of the cold. Now, back to the glow plugs. Glow plugs, this – now, take this with a grain of salt, but if your glow plugs are not working and you are in a death-cold situation, there is a way to hotwire these things, but you have to be super careful and you need two people. What you're going to do is you're going to take the thickest wire you can possibly find and run it from the positive terminal of your battery to the edge of the glow plug where on the 200 TDI, you know, there's those little yellow strips that, are that, that connect each glow plug. And you're going to touch it there and hold it there for about five seconds. Don't let it get too hot because then you can blow the whole thing up. But if you do that consecutively in two glow plugs and then have somebody immediately start the car, I'm gonna it, will lose a nail. It, Jesus. it will come to life. Now, be super careful with it. This is only like your emergency situation. I can't get this damn car started and it's, you know, minus 1,000 degrees. But if you need to do it, you can do it. But it has to be very good coordination between people, and usually you can get the car started with only doing it to two glow plugs. Positive terminal, the thickest wire you can find, positive battery terminal directly to the edge of the glow plug, and pay a lot of attention. Just give it a little, like, two, three, four, five seconds, take it off, and that's then have like, somebody jump That's in. like you handing me some ether, a match. And say, get this tire on this rim for me, like that. That just exactly scares exactly. the crap yes. out <laughs> of me. Like <laughs> exactly, yes, Jesus. yes. It is something that can cause your death. Just, just know Good. that. <laughs> just, just, just know that it can cause your death. Well, that would be something for your mom and brother to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, can I YouTube this? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, so let's get to the Dakar. So this, so the Dakar rally. For those, I mean, I'm, I'm sure pretty much everybody knows a little bit about yeah. the Dakar Rally. But I'm going to give a little bit of the his history behind it. So the Dakar Rally started in 1978. And it was called the Paris-Dakar Rally. So it went from Paris, France to Dakar, Senegal. And this event took place from 1978 all the way to about 2008. I'll get to the reason why it didn't take place in 2008. But it originated after a guy called Thierry Sabine got lost in the uh, Tenere Desert uh, and while he was competing in another rally that I believe was called the Kotkot um, Kot -Kot Adijan. It was an African rally. And he decided all of a sudden, while he was lost, this guy right here, that the desert would be an amazing place to do a big, a big rally. And that's, you know... And it was similar. They used to do in, in the 70s an, an event, which was London Sahara Munich World Cup Rally. That one also had the Sahara Desert. So that's how it all kind of comes to, to fruition. And then 
the first um, rally had 182 cars, and it took start obviously starting in Paris, and 74 actually survived. It was about 10,000 kilometers, so about 6,000 miles, and it was very much like a, a spirit of people like I wouldn't say 100% amateurs, but more or less amateurs wanting to do this rally and yeah. kind of doing it, you know, for fun. Um, in it, just a few years, in 82, it almost doubled in size, and there were 382 uh, that participated. And um, Citroen and Peugeot, because this is kind of like a French event, were some of the ones that did very well. But I was digging through some... Um, information because i'm not 100 percent sure if I, i'm sure there were classes or at least semi-classes at the very beginning or maybe it was just a free-for-all I'd, I'd love to have a little bit of a listener input here but i was digging through and finding some information and it turns out that a range rover won first place in 1979 and it was one of 13 range rovers that entered the race and it won again in 1981 and fifth in 1980, fourth in 82, third in 83, second in 84, sixth in 85, so on and so forth. Basically, uh, the worst placing was ninth in 1990. I think even I think back then they were running diesels in most of those, if I'm not mistaken. We're gonna need a little bit more. Uh, we're gonna need some listener input on this yeah. one. I'm sure there's people that know a hell of a lot more than we do. Yeah, but um, very cool. And uh, we, well, I, this is kind of, since I grew up in Spain, this was huge. I remember the Dakar rally was like the, you know, we, we grew up, gr those of us that grew up in Europe, um, we grew up more uh, on the side of, on one hand, Formula One, and then on the other hand, uh, you know, the World Rally Championship. And so the Dakar rally was like, you know, the peak year event. And it usually, and it always takes place either at the very beginning of January or very end of December. So very cool. Now, this event uh, was had different routes. Um, Mauritania was always the hot spot because of Mauritania. Well, it's had a d it has a few different hot spots because not getting into political connotations, uh, the Western Sahara used to belong to Spain and then was annexed, and I say this in quotations, by Morocco. So it went right through Morocco, Western Sahara, or southern Morocco, if you want to call it, depending on <laughs> which way you see the political side of this story, and then Mauritania and then into Senegal. And for me, it has a special place because I've actually been to Mauritania in the uh, Pegaso military truck with a camper and a two-door 200 TDI disco, which is a story that I'll tell in another episode. Um, anyway, um, in 2008, they weren't able to hold it because... There were some security concerns and issues, which is, you know, knowing Mauritania, which I did my um, trek into Mauritania in 2005, I believe. I knew the situation was already getting a little bit, um, how, how would I call it, lawless. And I have to say, when you actually, I, I've actually been through parts of the, the terrain and, and like the stages that they went through. And I'm telling you, that is, it, it is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It is hot. It's it's sandy, but then it's rocky at the same time. I mean, I don't even know how they were able to get through that country doing off-road. We used to take, before they built the road from, so the, the capital city of Mauritania is Nuakchot. It's more in the south. 
basically almost along the coast. And the northernmost city is, which is right next to the Western Sahara, is Nuadibu. And there didn't used to be a road between these two cities up until about 2003, four, I believe. And so literally, if you wanted to drive from one to another, you just had to, you know, mm -hmm. just go for it. Yeah. And, and, my, and, and my uncle, who's been doing this for, for many, 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 many years, um, used to tell me that it used to take them usually two or three days to get from, from Nuadibu to Nuakchot. With a road, it's literally two hours. So, and and this is and and the Pegaso truck is a Pegaso military truck. So it, it is literally, the wheels are humongous. I'd have to have the specs on it. I'll ho hopefully, I'll get you a, a picture of it. You can post it on our Instagram if you ever to see what what we what we use. But anyway, anyway, from two thousand from nineteen seventy eight till two thousand eight, which it was not held, it did the variations of that same route. So basically, it started off in Paris and then went all the way to. Um, to Senegal, which was the end to Dakar. And then for a few years after that, from, from 2009 to about 2019, it was actually held in South America, in Peru, Argentina, Chile, and the such, because of the security concerns, they had to change the venue. And as of 2019, it's now held in Saudi Arabia, which clearly forks out more money than anybody else to have the, the event there, which is great. I mean, yeah. it's all about the terrain and, and, and the experience. And starting in 2000, well, we'll get a little bit into the Land Rovers. I've already touched a little bit, but if you see, if you look look at the cars now, they're very much. It's kind of like the World Rally Championship. I mean, just kind of. They're specific vehicles that are designed by by Audi and Peugeot and BMW. And the the Audi one this year was just it was just awesome. Yeah, I, it, I, it, like I would like so want to tie it. that thing looks so awesome it does and but there is no longer it didn't win but it looked awesome oh no yeah i mean and you see some of the iterations that they made it's just they're, yeah, they're awesome, awesome cars but they're basically designed for that that rally and other types of of r rally rides. yeah so it's no longer they take a stock car and they modify it for um but they did open in 2020 a classics category so there's a bunch of categories. You can do motorcycle and quad and truck and car and you know there's just like subcategories within. Yeah. But as of 2020, they opened up a category for classics, which is super cool because then you get to see Land Rovers and of course the I think the winner of last year's uh, um, Dakar in 2020 was actually a G wagon. The um, and you know the demand for for that for that class is totally there because as we saw. Last year there was twenty five classics. This year was like one hundred and forty four, and it's as you know, it's not cheap to to enter. Like just the fee alone to enter is thirty grand. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's it, yeah, it, it, it is it is a huge undertaking. But um, but yeah, very cool. So Dan, tell us about this year's. So this year, well, I just I was so into it this year, like. Um, just because of the fact that they they had so many classes, but there are so many classics had entered. But the and I'm getting like goosebumps right now. But for those that watch it, there's there's this truck class, and within uh, the class there are these Russians who like dominate 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 they dominated last year and this year they took 
first four places, and they drive this truck called the, uh, I may be butchering the name because you don't hear it every day, but um, Kamaz, which is like these, I call them the, the sand crawlers from Star Wars, but like in uh, truck form, they are the most amazing, amazing trucks that the Russians have basically just perfected you know it it has a 13 liter like dong fang cummins um it has like thousand liter tanks like these things are so amazing i'm just waiting for the day that we start to see like some of these cross in into the states like you know whether it be at like bear jackson or like any sort of like auction place but to me like those things like are the ultimate in really what uh the you know the dakar is but you know obviously they're gonna kick butt over like everything because it's like impossible to like you know to beat but i just think like they're just beyond uh amazing so i was like really excited to see that they took like the first four places in their class. By the way, if 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 uh, for next year, um, if you want to follow it, there's a, the the Dakar app. You can download it for free, and you follow all the all the everything. Yeah, so they live. they'll take you through all three, all twelve stages. Um, it it really is just uh, the best, and um, so let's kind of touch base on like our favorite division, which class, which is the classics. And this year we had, um, I believe, twelve rovers like submit uh applications but when, when it came to the race two of them had to be uh swapped out because they actually didn't um either they probably felt like it, they, it wasn't gonna work but like there was supposed to be a series three and there's supposed to be seven range rovers but it got knocked down to uh six range rovers so we had three series two we had a, a D90, so that's four. Then we had um, then we had six uh, Range Rover Classics. We, most of them were um, two doors. There was uh, one four door, um, and I think that's that's it for the amount of ones that were uh, submitted. So the Series Two guys were a team from. Poland, they submitted all three. And I will say that every, uh, all of them completed the race. Mm -hmm. um, which is, which is a huge achievement in and of itself. A hundred percent. Like that's, that's just crazy good. Um, and then the, the highest finish uh, that we had or Land Rovers had was 25th. And that was, uh, that was a, a Range Rover. That that crossed in in twenty fifth place. Um, overall, I think everybody did, uh, you know, pretty fantastic. I have to admit that my favorite is seeing the series rovers out there. I think oh that's my gosh. just well, and I think I like them too because you know, of course, they're gonna they're gonna run the uh, is it the same mm -hmm. the hard top the hard cargo top. Uh, you know, like yeah. I like I have, so of course I love uh, seeing that. But all three, uh, there was like a 
I think it was a yellow one, like a like a Vienna, like a light green one, and then um, I forget what the other color was. But it was it was fantastic, and of course the guys who finished in twenty fifth were from Spain. Um, uh, the team that did that. Overall, it was you know fantastic. The usual suspects were all in, in the in the classics. You know, one of my underdog favorites are always going to be the uh, the uh, Fiat Pandas. I'm just you know they're just adorable. Most of them are are modified because the original engine in the Fiat Panda usually had like 15 horsepower. You know, you, you know, you know, an event that we could do that's really funny is in Spain, uh, well, not in Spain, in Morocco, they hold every year a Spanish organization, the Panda Raid, which is a little rally of like 10 just days, just, just pandas. pandas. And you don't have to take like a 4x4. Four four. You don't need a Sicily or, you know, or, or a Trek 4x4. Four four. You can actually take a regular, it can either be a Seat Panda or a Fiat Panda, and you can go for it. It is, it's just, that, it's ridiculously, that would be awesome. it's ridiculously funny. Anyway, do we consider... Well, I guess we should consider bowlers, too. Yeah, so bowlers uh, entered um, in... They, c- they compete in the regular cars category, right? Well, so the, there, it depends because one of the bowlers was, I believe, they now they have this new category that's an open class. So within that class, the bowler, one of the bowlers had... Uh, he, they came in second, but there was only three in that class and that's for like um modified non uh you know non-petrol non-diesel so it would have been like an electric so there was a there's now a class and i think they're trying to you know obviously expand on that as we try and move towards this green uh planet but uh they have a class now that is for like electric based uh Mm -hmm. like hybrid uh vehicles and i believe like the bowler uh was in that open class. Yeah. I, I mean, I would really like to see a disco. You know, I was actually, I was really surprised that, um, that there, that there wasn't a disco, uh, represented again, you know, the disco is, um, you know, if you're paying 30 K, just to just to do it, just to do it, so, you know. Like I, as much as I would love to do it, this I'm not going to pay thirty k plus the extra like you so, know few so hundred thousand that it well actually yeah, costs to do it. Keep it keep in mind here that when you do this type of race or this this in detail, you, you need to have at least a crew of a few because you need to have your mechanics that help you fix everything that breaks after every stage, and this is a combination endurance navigation so you're basically given you know all the gps um tools yeah but they're not always available all the time sometimes the signal is blocked so you have to navigate part of the way this year there was a big controversy because um winner alatilla in the second stage took a route that nobody else took okay first off the guy needs to take a break (coughs) cheater like someone let someone else like I mean, he's obviously he's fantastic. He's awesome, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, he's the, shall we call him the Tom Brady of the car? 
Well, he's the Tom Brady of the car of the, of the more modern era. Because the modern been, era, yeah. There have been champions that have won it in different categories. Yeah. You know, Stefan Peter Hansel, I think, won it on a motorcycle and in a car. So there's – but I have to say, it also so – there's something – So he's the Bo Jackson? I don't know if you know him. The Bo Jackson. I he played baseball and, and football. Yes. He could probably be the Bo Jackson. Yeah. And he the thing about this, too, is that th- it changes a lot from – the terrain changes a lot. So – Obviously, you know, if you've been running the Paris-Dakar um, route, which is the traditional one from Paris to Senegal, there's a lot of stages that you're going to know, a lot of terrain you're going to know. So, obviously, Stefan Petterhansel won a bunch of those. I think he won in, in also won in Latin America, too, when it was in. So, you know, it kind of. But that's know, also what makes, I think, having it in Saudi Arabia is just, it's just brilliant because the terrain will never, ever, ever, ever be the same yeah. year after year just because of we know how the the, the climate changes there so it's like and when the, you and the dunes move and when you you know watch the blooper reel which you can watch also you know from this year like some of the the craziest things craziest crashes from people you would think well like what the hell just happened is because they're just not paying attention to the fact that like you go hard to soft hard to soft you're gonna you're gonna kill yourself so there's some pretty awesome crashes from this year's uh race as well yeah it it is truly uh it's just a i i honestly don't know why it hasn't really caught on that much in the u.s um i i i don't i i i think that you know the u.s motor motorsports is you know very much taken up by nascar and other types of racing but it's just a really cool event it, it's just it's like nothing else there is out there, and 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 it you know I mean kind of like everything all motorsports have gotten a lot more professionalized, so it's a lot you know there are, but the the spirit of this was you know let's prepare our car in our garage and go you know run our car from Paris to and Senegal. it's like the it's still in that sense of like the even the spectators it's like it it just very reminiscent of like you know eighties seventies eighties nineties like. Euro rally where you literally and I've se- I was watching some of the stages and like some of these people there be miles and miles and miles of openness and then you'll have three spectators and they're still almost getting killed oh by yeah. by someone <laughs> you know in the race it's like and to me like that's to me that's just really what it what it's all about I mean it's just it's just awesome it's not like you know Euro rally where you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people packed on a road that's like you know eight feet across and you're basically touching the cars it's not like that but it's still kind of in that essence of like the spectators are there to actually you know yeah no it's it it, it is really cool and um there are some stories of back before the gps times of people getting lost and you know showing up and whatever in like libya and stuff like that i think we'll we're we're gonna have to look up some of those stories because I know I've read some in the past, but I want to bring them up today. But in another episode, we'll talk about the the people that got lost in the Dakar Rally because those are always those are always pretty funny stories. On the sad side, and and this is something that's an inherent risk in all types of motorsport. There's unfortunately always somebody that passes away. It's it's dangerous. It's not you know there's you're running in the middle of the desert at very high speeds with no safety precautions other than the ones that you have in your car and you have for yourself 
unfortunately, there's always accidents, especially you know in the motorcycle and class. The bike class, yeah. The motorcycle and the quad class tend to be a little bit more, especially the quad too, because you those things just flip on themselves. Yeah. So I always, I always think that I always look at. Uh, I for me, it's always fun to watch the motorcycles because I think that those guys are just those guys and girls that run that are just amazing. It's just like a feat of ex, you know, extra <laughs> extraordinary human power. Yeah. And then I love watching the trucks. Yeah. The trucks are just truck class for those. You know, if you're thinking it's like big trucks, like I'm like semi type trucks, not um, you know, our Land Rovers and stuff like that. Yeah, those like are the Camaz. Those are yeah. Those are considered actually cars in, in, in the classes. But anyway, super cool. Um, take a look at some of the images of the race from this year. Really cool. It's really cool to see the series Rovers going at it. And it's really nice that they have opened up that classics. And the classics are, um, I believe. Uh, 2000 is the yeah, cutoff. 2000 so is yeah. the cutoff. So next year, I mean, you'll probably see more. I mean, Obviously, there were some Land Cruisers um, in there, uh, you know, this we're this year, but I'm sure we'll see like more, um, you know, more and more of that just as as those later but early uh, cruisers become more and more popular. Yes. Well, anyhow, super cool. We'll talk more about this in, in future uh, podcasts. Maybe, maybe a P thirty eight will be in next year. You know. I you know that I want one of those, <laughs> and I'm looking for it. And I've we got only if it's a manual, and only if it's a diesel. I actually, I have one, I have one located, and I'll tell you the specs. All right, so it's a '96, so it can be imported. It's got the diesel 2.5 BMW engine, manual gearbox, white, with cloth gray interior. The owner says it only has 60,000 kilometers. Now, I don't know whether to believe this or not, but the car looks in amazing shape. And the problem is it's located near um, Barcelona, and I can't get out there until the month of March. But if it's still available out there, I think that's going to be – I think that's going to be one. It's going to yeah. be the one that changes your mind. Right? <laughs> You're going to see it in white. No, it's going to be so beautiful. Unless they somehow magically redesign the <laughs> – back quarter of the p38 that's probably not going to change my mind anyway let me get let me uh, i want to give a few minutes to to some of our listeners that have written us emails or contacted us thank you everybody um we had andreas wojthan and i'm probably killing the pronunciation of that last name but um but he forwarded some really interesting information about remember when we talked about the forward control vehicles oh yeah yeah and so um I'm just going to read him because I think that's that's uh, that's a little bit better. He said he says he says hello. I recently started to to listen to your to your Spotify pad- podcast Rover Tech. I'm Andreas Wojthan from Germany and a Land Rover enthusiast myself. He's got um, a website which is um, best dash like horizontal dash a uh, four by four by far, and that's with X. So four x four x f a r dot d e um, he's got his vehicles on there. So he's got an XMOD 109, which I'm assuming is is a uh, Series 2A XMOD. Military. Military, yeah, yeah. I would say that, 109. Soft top, a 101 forward control, RRC 3.5, uh, a Defender 90. So he has a lot of stuff. Um, and in addition, him and his wife run an off-road and travel magazine called 
Mach and Pist, which is mud and track in German. I don't know a word of German, so do you know, do you know any German? Uh, well, as usual, I was one of those people that was forced to take four years of German in high school uh-huh. uh, many, many years ago because, you know, it was going to be the second language in America. Yes. So anyway, he, sa- he says, I hear you talking about the old petrol and diesel engines and you stop at the TDI 300. We have the great TD5, which... Um, and the not-so-great Ford Puma engines in the Defender TD4 with the 2.4, 2.2 liters. I guess they never made it to the U.S. And correct. And not even the, yeah, that's correct. Y- you're absolutely right. We will, we will touch on those engines, but we've been kind of limiting to where the cars that can be in the U.S. So next year, uh, for we'll be able to start to get the very first uh, TD5. Oh, yeah, you know. You know yeah, they'll be the first of the new iterations. Yes, so that will even... Anyway, uh, Ford Puma engines in the Defender TD4 with a 2.4 and 2.2 liters. I guess they never made it to the U.S. Anyway, um, the six was in a Series 2A and a three, and the and in the very first few models of the 101 Ford Control, where they were replaced by a 3.5 V8 with Stromberg carburetors. It's an engine developed in the 50s when there was tax in the U.K. that was related to the cylinder bores, so they made them very small. Not that not both valves could be placed on top. That's why one of the valves is on the top and the other on the side. However, it was not built until the late 60s when Toyota came across with the first six-cylinder engines. Instead of creating something new, they took the old plans, the tax was already gone, and built it. It was, wasn't was a very good engine, and it was not a great success. So, anyway, um, Andreas, thank you so much. It's awesome. Um, to have your perspective on this, um, I'm thinking we might be able to chat with you. Let me see if I can get uh, if I can get you on the phone and see if we can you can tell us a little bit more over the phone and on for on the on the podcast. But um, anyway, remember his uh, homepage is www.best4x4byfar.de and a forum which is www.landyfriends.net and a Wikipedia which just says landypedia.de. And, of course, his magazine, um, how do you, Mosh and Peace? Or Mach and Priest? Yeah, I, 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 I think you're going to have to do taking care of this. Anyway, Andreas, thank you so much. It's awesome that, that you reached out to us. Um, and, of course, uh, we'll you I know you sent us another email. And I think we're gonna, we're gonna want to talk to you about that 101 uh, forward control. I think that's a super interesting um, vehicle. Um, then then we've had other people like Jimmy Poindexter who has uh, reached out to us. Um, I'd love to say everybody's names. Jory Primdor, thank you so much for reaching out and showing us your cars. Um, Garrett Sudden, who reached out as well and asked about uh, his Santana. So anyway, and. Uh, some of you, like Eric Mills, have kind of uh, reached out to us as well um, just to see what we have. Carlos um, Pontes, um, thank you so much. A lot of you, I really don't know where you're from. If you want to identify that in your email, um, that would be awesome because it's kind of cool too. Um, anyhow, thank you, everybody. David Lewis, thank you for reaching out. We really do um, um, love to hear what you have to say, and especially because, w- you know, you often have more knowledge than we do, more information than we do, and some pretty cool stories about your Land Rovers. Anyway, Dan, I think uh, we need to come to an end here. Okay. Um, 
We've got some interesting topics coming up in the next few episodes. Remember, rovertalk55 at gmail.com. Please do reach out. Don't Feel free to correct us. Feel free to offer your criticism and everything. We love to learn more. And uh, reach out to us at, at our Instagram at rovertalk handle. Dan is at wagonboytv, and I am at sra2405. And we will be with you soon. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.